Today on Clear Approach, we talk about everyone's favorite blue pill, and I tell you what to do if you have the horrible misfortune of being pulled over while driving under the influence. All this and more coming up on the Mayo Clinic Clear Approach podcast, your home for aerospace medicine that matters. Greetings, everyone. This is Dr. Van, your medical co-pilot at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. I hope everyone out there has been enjoying the fall and the transition to cooler weather. This really is my favorite time of the year, not only because the flying seems a bit more comfortable with the heat or lack thereof, but also it's the time of my favorite holiday, Halloween. Uh, And no, not in a weird, creepy, gory manner, but uh, believe it or not, even as a physician, I have a sweet tooth and I like my candy. Enjoy anything that is peanut butter related, especially Reese's peanut butter cups. Uh, Unfortunately, my uh, son does have a very severe peanut allergy, so most of the year this is a big no-no treat for me. But uh, my family does let me have a little bit here in the Halloween time even though I'm still having to sort of sneak it in at work. But uh, I've had my fair share, so even though I haven't been flying much lately, uh, my blood sugar has certainly been soaring. So I don't have much of a flying update. I've only been out once since the last episode, so I thought I would just jump right into it and talk about today's medication moment. And for today's segment, I'd like to speak about a class of medications called phosphodiesterase 5-enzyme inhibitors. Now, if this sounds very unfamiliar. Trust me, you've heard of these medications. The class is best exemplified by Viagra, everyone's favorite blue pill that is often the result of some very awkward TV moments in the evenings. Now, Viagra is just one of several medications in this class, but I'm going to use Viagra as the example for the group, uh, at least at the start of this discussion. So what is Viagra used for? Well, of course, we all know this is used for erectile dysfunction. But that's just one of its many uses. The medication can also be used for pulmonary hypertension, Raynaud's phenomenon, and even high-altitude pulmonary edema. So how is the medication able to do so many useful things? Well, basically, this medication works by relaxing smooth muscle, particularly the smooth muscle that is in our blood vessels. This results in better blood flow, whether it be in the lungs or in the penis, which is how erections occur. Interesting side note, Viagra and its other similar medications, it actually doesn't help with libido or sexual desire, only the body's response to those emotions. Now, with there being blood vessels all over the body and smooth muscle all over, it's not too hard to imagine that there can be some side effects associated with this medication. First up, as we have all heard from the commercials, this can result in a prolonged erection known as priapism, and that's defined as having an erection that lasts longer than four hours. And all jokes aside, this is quite a medical emergency and quite painful. In addition, patients can experience very severe low blood pressure, especially if you have medications or other medical conditions that predispose you to low blood pressure. Two side effects that are a little bit more unique, but certainly not rare, First, Viagra can cause hearing difficulties, particularly hearing loss and tinnitus, which is ringing in the ears. Next, the medication also can result in fairly significant visual disturbances, such as a bluish discoloration to your vision, uh, sensitivity to bright lights, blurred vision, and even complete vision loss. 
With these kinds of side effects, it's easy to see why the FAA is worried about pilots using this medication. And the FAA has some very specific guidance regarding the use of this medication in aviation. First, as I mentioned earlier, this medication can be used for things other than erectile dysfunction. So if you are using this medication or some of its similar ones for anything else other than erectile dysfunction, say for example pulmonary hypertension, your use needs to be reviewed by the FAA before you can get a medical certificate. If you are using these medications for erectile dysfunction, well, you guessed it. There are some minimum waiting times from your last dose to when you can return to flight. Now, here's the tricky part, though. Not every medication in this class has the same waiting time. So, for example, Viagra and medications like Levitra, they have a waiting period of 8 hours. However, Tadalafil, otherwise known as Cialis, that has its own waiting periods. If you are using the medication intermittently, then you actually have a 24-hour waiting period before you can return to flight. If you're using this on a daily basis, at a dose of either 2.5 or 5 milligrams daily, you actually don't have any waiting period as long as you haven't experienced any low blood pressure episodes over a course of 7 days. So, as you can see, there are a lot of nuances at play, and these medications can have some safety concerns. And I recommend that all pilots that are using these medications take some time to review the guidelines on the FAA website. So, for today's medical topic, I want to start a discussion about alcohol, drugs, and mental health issues in pilots. And the reason I want to start on this is that, as I mentioned previously, I had the opportunity to become what's known as a HIMSS AME rather recently. So I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking, what in the world is a HIMSS AME? And isn't that technically politically incorrect? So first off, let me just address that there is no such thing as a HERS AME. HIMSS, H-I-M-S, stands for Human Intervention Motivation Study. And HIMSS is the name of the initial program that was developed in the 70s to help pilots deal with alcohol abuse. And this study came from a collaboration between the National Institute for Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism and the Airline Pilots Association. The initial study was a success, and since then the program has grown to also include drug abuse and mental health issues. Since the very beginning, this was known as HIMSS, since it was a study initially. And, well, the name has stuck for the last 50 years. To become a HIMSS AME, I had to go through some additional training. Uh, as you may be aware, there are general aviation medical examiners that do second and third class examinations only. There are senior AMEs uh, that get to do first class examinations. And then there are HIMSS AMEs, which are senior AMEs with the special training. And with a transition to being a HIMSS AME, I now get to help a lot of pilots with issues such as alcohol abuse, drug abuse, and any kind of mental health condition such as anxiety or ADHD. Now, of course, there are a ton of things that we could discuss regarding uh, these medical conditions in aviation. But for this first discussion, I want to focus in on the most frequent event that results in pilots coming to us at Mayo for HIMSS AME help. 
And that, of course, is being pulled over on the side of the road after attempting to drive following one too many drinks. Now, there are a couple of different terms that are available out there to describe this event. It could be a DUI, a DWI, an OWI. It's really kind of confusing, and it depends really on uh, what state that you are in when the event happens. Typically, though, a DWI is when someone is more severely intoxicated versus a DUI. In the eyes of the FAA, the terms don't really matter that much. However, there are two things that do really matter. First is whether or not you refuse to do a breath alcohol test. And second is your blood alcohol concentration at the time of the event. Let's say you have the bad judgment to consume too much alcohol and then attempt to drive. Then you get pulled over and the law enforcement officer asks you to do a breath alcohol test. And then you have the additional poor judgment of refusing that test. In the eyes of the FAA, this is a very poor choice. Per the guidelines for alcohol events on the FAA website, if you refuse the breath alcohol test, this places you in the same bucket, at least per the FAA, as having a blood alcohol concentration of at least 0.15, which is not an assumption you want to have. And that's because the blood alcohol concentration essentially determines how you can proceed with having a medical certificate in the future. For example, if you have a DWI or DUI or OWI, whatever you want to call it, more than five years ago, with a blood alcohol concentration of less than 0.15, and your regular aviation medical examiner has no concerns about ongoing substance dependence or abuse, you can be issued a medical certificate at the time of your exam. There's some additional paperwork that needs to be done, but it is possible. In contrast, if you have an event that is less than five years ago, or if you have an event where the blood alcohol concentration could not be determined, like you'd refuse the breathalyzer, or your blood alcohol concentration was greater than 0.15, you've opened up a whole different can of worms. Your regular AME will have to issue what's called an alcohol event status report for the AME, and your medical certification will be deferred to the FAA, after which you will certainly be required to go through the HIMSS evaluation process. This outcome is similar to the third bucket the FAA has for these conditions. If you've had two or more events, or if you have a history of substance abuse or disorder, that too will result in your medical certification being deferred for further review and definitely the HIMSS evaluation process. So what are the takeaways for today's topic? First, if you get pulled over by a law enforcement officer and get asked to do a breathalyzer test, from a medical standpoint, I recommend that you cooperate. But the main takeaway is don't drink and drive. And yeah, I know what you're saying right now. You're saying, gee, thanks mom for that advice. But if we all listen to common sense, there'd be a whole lot less tragedies out there and there wouldn't be a whole program at the FAA to help pilots with these kinds of conditions. So please don't drink and drive.
So that's today's episode. Thanks again for spending your time with us today, and I hope that you are feeling safer and more informed. Remember that this podcast is an offshoot of our Clear Approach teleconsulting service here at Mayo Clinic. If you're a pilot and you have a medical question, you can go to mayoclinic.org, search for Clear Approach, sign up for an account, and send our team of aviation medical examiners your question. Usually in 24 to 48 hours, one of us will get back to you and provide you some further assistance. Until next time, this is Dr. Van, your medical co-pilot, wishing you great flying and even better health. <music>